I enjoyed so much our summer series, Real to Real, Finding Faith in Film, and I'm very excited about starting a new series in worship today, Longing to Belong. Uh, we're going to be looking in the upcoming weeks at the different vows of membership we make when we join the church, when we belong to the church. Today I want to talk about kind of an introduction to all of that and the idea of being alive. We are alive. The church is a living thing. And our text for today is from the little letter we call First Peter, way toward the back of the Bible, the second chapter, verses 2 through 5. Would you stand with me as we hear these words of Scripture together? Like newborn infants... Long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Longing to belong. All of us need to belong to someone or something, to belong to a idea or a cause or a mission that's bigger than just ourselves. And all the proof we need of that is how we like to belong. We join the club or we try out to make the team. We want to get in to a certain circle of friends. We want to have a family. We join a gang we join the church. In every human being, I believe there is a deep longing within us to belong. I was very blessed to grow up in a community of people, uh, the church of my childhood and youth, where I never doubted for a moment that I didn't belong. I never doubted for a moment I didn't truly belong to that group of people. I made friends there from my earliest memories who walked with me through all the changes that come with growing up and we're still friends today. I didn't just have my parents in my life. I had many adults in my life, adults who taught me the faith who taught me how to pray, who taught me how to sing, who taught me how to care and to serve. I belonged to those people because they'd invested in me. They had a stake in my life. And they belonged to me because they were the means through which I came to know God and to love God and to follow Jesus. It was in my church that I learned first how to speak in public, how to lead a group 
It was in my church that I actually went on my first date. I grew up in a very strict uh, religious tradition. And one of the prohibitions that was tightly held by our church was that you could not dance. Dancing was a sin. I think they thought it might lead to joy or pleasure or something like that. We weren't allowed to dance. And so every time our little school had a dance, our church had a banquet. So we had somewhere to go, and we wouldn't feel so odd for God that we couldn't show up at school the next day. I went on my first date to a church youth banquet. Our parents arranged it because that was way beyond my means. And I bought a corsage and I put on my best clothes and I was a nervous wreck, but I knew it would be okay because it was at the church. And all the best things in my life were always connected to that sense of belonging I had at church. Because I belonged... There were people to celebrate with me every wonderful thing that happened in my life while I grew up. My profession of faith, my baptism, finding my call, my graduation, my ordination. Every special thing that ever happened to me happened in the sense of belonging to those people. And even as an adult, as I grew older, in the darkest and hardest times of my life, that sense of belonging held me up and supported me and saw me through. When I was in my 30s and my father died, and I made the heartbroken trip from New Orleans to Little Rock, I was greeted by all those familiar faces. A little bit older, but still loving and kind. And I looked out and saw that there were people who had driven from New Orleans, unbeknownst to me, because they wanted to be there and know that I belonged to them. In my 50s, when my mama died and I made that trip from Dallas to Little Rock, those same faces greeted me, much, much older now, but still loving and kind. And as I greeted people and looked around that room, there were people from every church I'd ever served. They'd made their way there. And I'll never forget, if I live to be 100, the power of that feeling that so many people felt we belonged to each other and that we belonged together in moments like that. Well, our text today speaks of the church and speaks of belonging in a very interesting way, in a very unique way in the scripture. The author refers to us as stones. I don't know about you, but at first glance, that does not seem to be all that affirming <laughs> to be called a stone. 
You know I'm a Seinfeld fan, and when I read this text, I always think of that episode where George is trying to win back his girlfriend Susan by saying he's as stable as a rock. Let's take a look. It'll be different this time, I promise. I promise difference. I'm committed to difference. I need someone a little more stable. I'm not stable. I'm like a rock. I take these glasses off. You can't tell the difference between me and a rock. I put these glasses on a rock. You know what jumps into most people's minds? Costanza. This is quite the opposite of what the writer of Second Peter is talking about. We are not inanimate rocks. We are living stones. Living stones. Pope Francis draws on this image when he writes, Dear brothers and sisters, the church loves you. Be an active presence in the community as living cells, as living stones. We become living stones when we ground our life in the foundation of Jesus Christ, the living stone that the text says was rejected by the world, but precious in God's sight. Jesus is the living stone upon which we build our life. Tanya Massa has a great line. The happiest people are the ones who can build a firm foundation of awesomeness out of the stones people have thrown at them. Isn't that a great line? God has taken the rejected stone of Jesus, the stone that the world threw back in the face of God and made a strong and sure foundation then God takes us. God in grace and love and mercy takes each one of us and places us on that foundation and fits us together as living stones in such a way that we become a spiritual house. We become a living temple. Isn't that a powerful image of what it means to belong? We can't be a spiritual house or a living temple by ourselves. It's only when we're fitted together with all the other living stones of every shape and size that we can be who God calls us to be. We are the church. We have learned that in such a profound way over these past months. The church never closed because the church is not a building built out of inanimate stones. The church is a living thing built out of living stones. We are alive and active in the world because of it. But the writer goes on to say, not just that we're living stones, but that we are also a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God 
through Jesus Christ. You are a priest. I'm a priest. How does that sound in your ears? Is it hard for you to believe that you're a priest? I know it's hard for some of you to believe that I'm a priest, but that's okay because I find it hard to believe too. But that's who God says we are. The problem is we tend to think of priests only in terms of people who wear robes and vestments and share sacraments on a stage that because it's in church we call it a chancel. Our problem is we tend to think of priest only in terms of somebody who goes off to some place called seminary to learn secret knowledge and magic words. Trust me, I've been to three different seminaries. There is no secret knowledge and there are no magic words. In our tradition, we understand that each one of us is a part of the holy priesthood. And when you cut through the formality and the mystery and the myth of what it means to be a priest, we discover what the writer is talking about. The fundamental task of a priest, the basic function of a priest, is to speak to God on behalf of others and to speak to others on behalf of God. That's what a priest is all about. We speak to God through our prayers, and we speak to the world through our lives and our words of faith and love and hope. Each of us, each of us are called to this priestly function in our family and in our neighborhood and in our workplace, among our friends and within the life of this congregation. We are to constantly be speaking to God on others' behalf through our heartfelt prayers. And we are constantly to be speaking to others on behalf of God, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and love and hope and peace and faith and acceptance. And we do all that to the glory of God, not to build one more institution out of inanimate rocks, not to add a name to a list, not to turn a person into a number. We do these things as priests for the glory of God. We are living stones formed into a living temple. We are a holy priesthood, a connection between God and the world and the world and God. This is who we are right now, wherever we are and whatever is going on in the world. Earlier today we had the joy and the privilege of confirming 23 young people into 
the Christian faith and bringing them into membership of the church. They belong to us and we to them. Baptisms and confirmations remind us like few other things that we are alive. That our story is still being told and our future is still being written. But we need to remember that a mark of being alive is growth and change. Confirmands remind us that though they begin a new phase of their journey as full members of the church and as professing followers of Jesus Christ, our prayer is not that their faith remains as it is. Our prayer is that their faith will grow and change as they grow and change. What a heartache it would be to think we have the same faith ten years from now than we do today. That we have the same understanding of the world as we do today. That we have the same relationship with God as we do today. We, the living church, made out of living stones, need not fear change. In fact, if the church had not been a living thing, following the Spirit into new understandings of the faith and new expressions of the faith, we would not be worshiping here together this morning. That little handful of people who followed Jesus would have remained a tiny sect within Judaism. But because the church was alive and the church grew and changed, today there's 7.3 billion people on this planet who are living stones. Almost a third of the population of the earth. Jesus is alive. The faith is alive. The church is alive. We are alive. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.